0: Hello and welcome to Freedom of Species. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's already a programme dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals. This includes advocacy, activism, conservation, protection and importantly, appreciation. My name is Roy Taylor. I'll be your host today and we have an interview with Elio Salotto who is Campaigns Manager for the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses. We'll go into that interview shortly. um, We're broadcasting from the 3CR studios in Melbourne, Australia, streamed live via the 3CR website. Recent podcasts are on the 3CR and Freedom of Species website, that's freedomofspecies.org, and all previous podcasts are available via iTunes. Uh, It is now coming up to October. In October is the Animal Activists Forum which this year will be held at Melbourne Town Hall. And this is a yearly event aimed at bringing animal activists together from across the country, and indeed across the Tasman, from uh, New Zealand. Some activists are coming this year from New Zealand. So this is your chance, if you're an animal activist, vegan, anyone concerned with animal protection and making the world a kinder place, for networking with other animal rights activists. It's going to be held on the... Nice the 11th, that's the first weekend, uh, second weekend of October at Melbourne Town Hall. You have to book your tickets beforehand, and to do that, you go to activistsforum.com. On the Thursday, um, before the forum, there is a organised visit to Edgar's Mission. To do that, uh, speak to, contact Edgar's Mission directly, and they'll book you in for the tour. On the Friday, we've got a Day of Activism, a series of animal advocacy events uh, around Melbourne Town Centre, uh, accumulating in dinner on the Friday night. And then all day Saturday, all day Sunday, about 30 to 40 workshops with different animal advocates, educating you on and helping your network to be a more effective advocate for animals. And then Saturday night, we've got a... Dinner, cocktail dinner, Uh, vegan of course, um, to celebrate the year's activism. So if you're interested in that, please go to activistforum.com, book your tickets now because ticket sales close on the Tuesday before the event. We'll go to a 3CR promo.
1: There's is Lawrence Pope, Victorian Advocates for Animals. You know, it doesn't matter where I am, around Australia or across the globe, people ask me the same question. Why don't we have programs like 3CR's Freedom of Species? Why don't we have independent radio? Not radio that's a puppet of the millionaires and the billionaires, but radio that reflects the real concerns of people like you. The very salt of this great country. From Warnam Bull to One Thaggy from Malakuta to Cootamundra, 3CR, they're kind to cats, they're for the bats. That's independent radio. That's freedom of species, not the enslavement of species. I said the freedom of species. You know what to do. Donate to independent radio and warm your heart while you're cooling the planet. This is Lawrence Pope Victorian Advocates for Animals and 3CR wishing
0: your species all the best. Well, with the vile spring racing carnival coming up shortly, that carnival of cruelty where horses are whipped until they're exhausted, uh, I thought it was appropriate to have a representative from the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses in the studio. Uh, It's very important with this carnival of cruelty, the horse racing carnival coming up, that we all get behind the campaign to um, do what we can to... uh, Make the world a better place by getting rid of horse racing on the certainly at least the worst excesses of it, which is two-year-old racing, the whipping of horses, the wastage, the shooting of them when they're no longer profitable, and jumps racing. So we've got Elio Salotto from the studio, from the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses in the studio earlier in the week. Uh, he's busy at the moment planning the campaign for this year's Spring Racing Carnival. We'll go to that interview now. I'm in the studio today with Elio Salotto, who is Campaigns Director for the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses. Hello, Elio. Hello, Roy. So, tell listeners about the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses.
1: Um, The Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses, uh, known as CPR these days, uh, was formed back in 2008 after uh, several volunteers undertook two years of, of research into the racing industry and what we found was that uh, the glamour that the racing industry wants you to see is just a, a very thin veil that hides many atrocities that are occurring behind, uh, behind screens and behind stables where horses uh, are systematically abused and, and forced to race. And without a retirement plan, most of these horses are sent to slaughter.
0: That's not the image that's portrayed by the industry and is propped up by lots of advertising dollars. Tell me about the investigations that kicked all this off. What was that?
1: Well, look, it started off from a single phone call from a concerned member of the public that um, was concerned about these horses that were in a paddock. And she contacted us to see if we could find out, you know, why these horses were in this paddock and, and seemingly neglected And when we investigated these horses, we discovered that most of them were racehorses and they were in fact awaiting slaughter. And that led to us uh, conducting further investigations of this property and found out that uh, most of the horses that are sent there were either thoroughbreds uh, or standardbreds, which are used for harness racing. And we thought it was important that since no one else had undertaken on a campaign about horse racing, we felt we needed to do something about it. And as a result, we formed CPR in 2008, and and since then we've uh, targeted the racing industry on jumps racing uh, initially, and uh, that went very, very well. And in fact, jumps racing was banned at the end of the 2009 season. Uh, Unfortunately, it was reintroduced, uh, but certainly we've created a lot of awareness about jumps racing and about the waste issue since then.
0: Yeah, before we go on to talking about maybe this year's Spring Carnival, uh, I'd like to talk a bit more about that Jumps Racing campaign and, and with that notable victory of, of, of as you describe it, as a ban. Can you tell me what was involved in getting to that stage? I mean, if, a, if an activist is going to start up a group, obviously there's obvious things that are done, like doing protests and making leaflets. Can you tell me a bit more that got the group to that stage of success when you started?
1: Well, the Jumps Racing campaign was actually started by Lawrence Pope, from Victorian Advocates for Animals, uh, back in the early, I think it was back in 2001, and he did an extremely good job of of highlighting what happens to jumps horses, the the high attrition rate of jumps horses, and and the, the large number of horses that are killed on the racetrack, um, and that resulted in many changes taking place, uh, the the hurdle designs. Uh, were altered to to make them uh, though they're lowered uh, and they're also made to collapse. And though this was successful to a certain degree, uh, we felt back in two thousand and eight that uh, Lawrence Lawrence's group had actually decided that the changes were were acceptable. We felt that they weren't, so we took over the campaign. And uh, n- until the end of the two thousand and nine season. Which saw it being banned what we did i 'm
0: just going to stop you there for a minute and, and just stop you in your flow when you say a ban, what do you mean that wasn't a, that wasn 't a government enforced outlawing was it
1: no it wasn 't banned by uh, by legislation it was a a self it was a self imposed ban by the racing industry by racing Victoria who felt that Jumps racing was simply too dangerous and it was a bad look for the racing industry. No.
0: I'm actually going to stop you here because our show is listening to people across Australia and, in fact, around the world. So maybe we should have done this before. Just explain what jumps racing is.
1: Jumps racing is a race conducted uh, over a distance somewhere between 3.2 kilometres and 5.5 and kilometres. Over as many jumps as, uh, well, as few as say 11 or 12 through to about 20, oh, sorry, is it 33 jumps, as is the case with the Grand Annual Steeplechase, which is five and a half kilometres long.
0: So these are, these are races that in other countries are called hurdling or steeplechasing, yes?
1: That's correct, yeah. So the hurdles are, are run over lower jumps, and the steeplechase has a higher jump, and the races are usually a bit longer as well.
0: So the industry in Victoria, um, the state of Victoria in Australia, decided to get rid of it.
1: That's correct. They made a decision based on the the risks involved to horses and jockeys, uh, but also, importantly for them, it was a a blight on the racing industry. Every time a horse would be killed, it would create negative publicity. And they made an announcement that uh, at the end of the 2009 season, that 2010 would be the last season of jumps racing.
0: And um, I was involved in that. uh, uh, I was involved in the celebration of that uh, decision, uh, part of that. Um, And I think actually Lawrence Pope at the time said something like, we shouldn't celebrate too hastily. I think uh, Lawrence might have been a bit sceptical um, at that uh, celebrator event. What, uh, and then it panned out to change indeed. Can you talk about what happened?
1: Yeah, well, that's exactly what did happen. That uh, we did have a, a celebration, but we were aware that the the pro jumps supporters uh, in the racing industry would would gather together and seek to have that overturned and that's exactly what they did and under pressure from uh, this group racing victoria back down and uh, they reintroduced jumps racing uh, and said that they would introduce key performance indicators that they needed to meet over the next few seasons and if they were met the jumps racing would continue indefinitely they did not meet those key performance indicators. Uh, And they still made the decision to continue with jumps racing. And we believe that that decision was made because uh, they didn't want to back down to animal activists and give them a win. And and then I guess the the thought was that uh, once we get rid of jumps racing, we'll go after them for one of the many other issues that um, plagued the racing industry.
0: So jumps racing eventually was... Continued in Victoria. Um, just can you just tell listeners the status of jumps racing across Australia? Because it's not just on in Victoria, is it?
1: It currently only exists in Victoria and South Australia. In New South Wales, it was banned back in 1991, and in other states, it was phased out. It was phased out in Tasmania. Uh, I think it may have been 2000, 2009, 2010, due to lack of interest. So currently, we see jumps racing uh, only exist in Victoria and South Australia. In Victoria, we only have about 65 races per year, and there's about 15 in South Australia. Despite the racing industry's best efforts to make horse racing, uh, make jumps racing popular, and the Victorian government, in fact, putting pledging $2 million a year towards increased prize money. We haven't seen jumps racing uh, prosper at all. Uh, In fact, the number of races is slightly diminished. So we think it's only a matter of time before the racing industry pulls the pin on it because it's simply unpopular and continues to bring the, the general racing industry into disrepute.
0: What's the view of the general public regarding jumps racing in Victoria?
1: Well, I think most people are horrified when they see horses fall over a, a jump in a jumps race and have it fall to its death. I've seen it happen many, many times, and each time it happens, I just can't believe that the racing industry allows this to continue. Um, they seem to think that there is an acceptable death rate for its competitors, and you know, we, we'd, I think we'd all be horrified if our, v, our AFL footballers... Um, had an acceptable death rate when they compete. That is the case with jumps racing. They know horses are going to come to grief, and it happens every single year. But not only do we see horses uh, fall over jumps and and killed on the racetrack, we see many horses hitting jumps really hard, not falling, but then failing to reappear. And in fact, about 50% of all jumps horses disappear from one year to the next. So there's a very high attrition rate and when these horses are injured, it's very unlikely that um, they're going to have any kind of career and most likely to be sent to slaughter uh, after their jumps careers are over.
0: Before we start the discussion of what happens to racehorses, I've got a couple more questions about jumps. With it only going on in two states in Australia, I presume that if it was to go from one of the states, that would affect, in all likelihood, one of the others, Yeah.
1: Well, certainly, if it was um, phased out in Victoria, it couldn't, su- it couldn't survive in South Australia. Yeah. South Australia at the moment, uh, it's hanging by a thread. We have um, the uh Racing Club at the moment uh, are opposed to having jumps racing at their racetrack, but it's been forced upon them by the South Australian uh, thoroughbred racing. And they know it's unpopular...
0: Can I ask, what, why do you think Morfordville, you say Morfordville Racecourse, uh, don't want jumps racing? What, what do you think the reason is for that?
1: Well, I think there are people in the racing industry that see jumps racing as a, as a blight on, on the sport. And there are a lot of horse lovers, obviously, in the racing industry, and they hate to see horses fall to their deaths. So it's pressure also from within the industry, people that don't like to see it. It's, punters don't like it. Uh, it actually costs the racing industry money to conduct jumps racing because the money earned through through uh, wagering does not cover the, the, the cost of the race. If you have a look at the turnover uh, for, for uh, betting on, on individual races, you'll, you'll always see a huge fall in, in the betting on jumps racing. So it's not supported by punters. It's really not supported by... The racing industry itself, but there are enough people there that want to keep it going and are fighting tooth and nail to make sure it happens. Our job is to continue to draw attention to jumps racing, as we have done for, for several years now, uh, to the point where the South Australian Jockey Club that, that runs the Morphville Racecourse don't want to see any more jumps races there. So we think that's a, a huge step forward.
0: Tell listeners about some of the things that you've done in the past to highlight jumps racing.
1: We've we've done many stunts uh, from unveiling banners on our racetracks. Um, we did an unveiling of, of six banners uh, back in 2011, I think it was.
0: So what's involved in doing that for um, listeners maybe in other countries that would like to um, highlight animal cruelty in some activity? What, what What's involved? How do you do that?
1: Well, we coordinated uh, six groups of three to four people uh, to go into the races, we had printed six banners, printed on paper that could be folded up uh, almost to the size of an A4 sheet of paper, which could be snuck into the race course. And then at an appropriate time, we uh, coordinated the unveiling of these banners in sequence. And it was very effective. The media, the media loved it. Um, How
0: specifically I, was it effective?
1: Well, it was effective because on that particular day, a horse actually was killed. So that certainly drew attention to it. But uh, the media loved it because they thought it was uh, a, a great a visual stunt, seeing people inside the racetrack unveiling banners, saying things like uh, jumps racing kills, uh, "Ban jumps racing, jockeys choose horses, don't, that, that kind of thing. And uh, we made it to the evening news, and and in that evening news, uh, people became aware of our campaign. And as a result, we think we've got the majority of Australians on our side wanting to see a ban of this sport.
0: One thing that I find remarkable about the work that you've done and the things you've achieved is the amount of media coverage that you've managed to get. A lot of animal rights groups campaign for years without ever making TV, but you regularly get national news. Could you talk about how you do that, particularly with regards to the Jumps campaign?
1: Well, look, I have to say that we're very lucky with this campaign in that it hasn't really been touched. Horse racing in general uh, is is one issue that's pretty much had a free reign, that we all seem to know what happens to race horses, but we kind of tend, um, as a society, to turn a blind eye to it. So for us, I think we were very lucky that it's a campaign that hadn't been touched before, and and so we were on very very fertile ground. But also, I think it's important to look at different ways of attracting media. Uh, media want uh, an original angle, and and so you have to always think about how are you going to get the media interested.
0: I think that's you may have uh, just spotted, or I've just spotted one thing: is your priority is looking at what the media wants rather than what you have to give them, yes? At the top of your mind is identifying what the media want.
1: Well, if you can get a story up in the evening news, uh, you've got potentially millions of people watching uh, that, that that coverage. And so you, you, your primary objective always has to be to get media. And uh, we've often been called media whores by our opposition, and, and we take that as a compliment uh, because unless you can bring these issues into the minds of of everyday people um, and make it an issue, then these uh, th- these issues will continue uh, indefinitely. Do you think
0: some of that, some of your success, is down to how how horse racing is perceived as glamorous? So it already is an activity that is very wrapped up with the news. With glamour with mass media, with advertising, yeah
1: well, absolutely, I mean, they spend millions and millions of dollars every year making horse racing look glamorous, um, the reality is very, very different. Most people around this time of the year that are going to the spring carnival events go there for the for the glamour uh, and to be to be seen and um, perhaps find a partner and the focus is really off horse racing altogether and our job is to turn that on its head and show people the reality behind the glamour, and it's really not that hard to do that, and And that's why I think we've been so successful that uh, the racing industry has notoriously uh, treated horses um, in, in a very exploitative way, and we it wasn't hard for us to expose that and, and give people a, a, a different perspective. Having said that, when we started our campaign uh, against horse racing uh, back in two thousand and six when I was at the time with Animal Liberation Victoria, uh, the media at that point in time when, when we conducted our first um, uh, our first press conference um, the view at the time there from from journalists uh, w- w- was that they were horrified that we would even um, target the racing industry, and and comments were made. But you know, how, how can you guys target something that's so intrinsically a part of the Australian culture, uh, especially around the time of the Melbourne Cup?
0: So you were you were challenged because how do you challenge this Aussie iconic event?
1: Yeah, absolutely. They they made it. I felt like I was being when I was being interviewed that I was actually being grilled as as the bad person. And through persistence, that has changed, especially during um, our subsequent jumps racing demonstrations and actions. Slowly, slowly, the the perception of horse racing has changed and we found that we had to educate the journalists about the reality of the sport. And when they came to grips with that, we found that we got them on side and uh, as a result, we, we continue to get you know lots of media and and in the way that we want it portrayed
0: you think you've had an effect on the general public
1: I think we have it's a little bit difficult for me to be objective being in the middle of it but certainly I think the perception of of horse racing has changed that people are now much more aware of of uh, the lack of a retirement plan for for race horses Um, thanks to the to the jump supporters who who actually said that if it wasn't for jumps racing, these horses would be in a can of dog food. Then saying things like that uh, was not a defence of jumps racing. It was really an indictment of the, of the general racing industry that does not look after these horses once they're retired. So certainly I think perception has changed, and, and we've seen the the change in the opinions of, of journalists who now approach us with some knowledge of what really happens and very sympathetic to the plight of racehorses.
0: Just want to go back, you started listing some of the events that you've done, some of the things to grab media and highlight jumps racing and you mentioned unfurling banners at the racetrack. Can you talk about some of the other things that you've done just for people in other countries that might be interested in uh, taking some of your <clears throat> ideas?
1: We've, uh, yeah, look, our, some of our stunts are a bit wide and varied. We, we had a, a, a mock funeral for jumps racing, uh, and this was at the end of the 2000, towards the end of the 2009 season. And we had, uh, we had a, a gentleman dressed up as a priest, and we had a, we had a, uh, a coffin made up with uh, jumps racing kills written on it, and the media absolutely loved it. And I'll so... confess
0: to being the gentleman <laughs> dressed up as a priest, and it it wasn't just um, me dressed up as a priest; it was also people dressed up as pallbearers walking in with dark shades on, looking like it was some kind of a mafioso funeral as well.
1: Yeah, well, that's right. You did a fantastic job, Roy. By the way, <laughs> um, so. Stunts like this uh, might appear silly, but if it gets you media, often when we do a stunt, we we just did a demonstration in South Australia a few weeks ago, and it was just a, a normal demonstration. Um, and we we received media on, on two of the main TV channels, and as a re- and when they covered our protest, what they also did was so sh- show horses falling over jumps. Uh, from historical footage, so even though uh, there were a few misses in the in the few races that were held that day, uh, horses nearly falling but not falling, but it still made it to the news and they still highlighted the fact that jumps racing is dangerous. So it was it was a really good outcome for us.
0: And you've done skywriting as well.
1: Yes, we've done skywriting, which uh, is where you have a plane and it writes in the sky. Yes, that's right. And we had uh, we've actually done that twice, uh, where the sky. Um, the, the the plane skywriter plane rode out jumps racing kills on one occasion and ban jumps on another occasion, and that made it to the news as well. So that that was a costly exercise, but you know you need to ramp up um, the campaign from time to time, and and it's important that um, you can do stunts like that. But obviously that takes money, and that's where when you create awareness. Um, then you need to also look at ways of fundraising uh, these kind of stunts.
0: So when you're doing events, you always have to have a, an eye on uh, monetizing. Not mon- I don't know if that's the word, but ensuring money comes in from the media, not just directly into the horses so you can continue and do the next one.
1: Yeah, well, look what we've found. We've never really had a focus on fundraising. We're doing a little bit more of that now because we are spending more money. So uh it kind of just evolved towards us people wanting to donate to us because many people were horrified at, at how horses were being treated in the racing industry. So we um basically fundraised from our website where there was a donate page and and pretty much every day now we continue to get donations. Um and that and that I suppose is because we continue to try to expose the racing industry for, for what it is, and, and people want to support it.
0: People have seen our demonstrations in Bourke Street in the centre of Melbourne, and when we've done them outside the Victorian Parliament, and they've said, oh, an isolated demonstration isn't going to have any effect. Could you tell listeners about how you schedule protests at the moment?
1: At the moment, with the jumps racing campaign, every time a horse is killed on the racetrack, uh, we schedule a, uh, a demonstration in the Burke Street Mall in Melbourne, which is in the centre of Melbourne, and uh, so the media knows what's going on. And um, though we may some might say it's a waste of time, um, once you start a campaign, it's very very important that you maintain momentum and try and build momentum sometimes that may wane like with jumps racing there was a couple of years where um we felt the jockeys were were being very careful that they were pulling up horses if they felt that the horse wasn't quite right to minimize the chance of the horse falling which of course we applaud um i think their reasoning for that was not so much out of concern for the horse it was more out of concern for, for the jumps racing industry um so you, so uh, I guess that doesn't really matter. But in that period of time, we uh, there wasn't a lot that we could do. So sometimes the the campaign m- might wane, but you have to be prepared to pounce when the opportunity presents itself. And as was the case with the last horse that was killed only a, f- a few weeks ago, uh, I found out that a horse had been killed. It was about three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, and quickly we had to be prepared to send out uh, an e-newsletter to all our supporters. Um, send out. Um, uh, messages to our supporters uh, via uh, text. And as a result, we always manage to get at least 20 to 30 people. So I I think if you are going to start a campaign, you have to be prepared to stick it out and don't think that it's going to be over in two or three years' time, not even in 10 years. You've got to make the commitment to that campaign uh, over a very long period of time and have a plan uh, for others to f- to follow on with the campaign, if if you decide to uh, to to end your involvement in it, um, and and so that means getting volunteers um, involved and creating an infrastructure so that the campaign can continue indefinitely. Because if it doesn't continue indefinitely, you're actually making your opposition stronger. Because even if you fight a campaign for ten years. Um, certainly, it might help in that ten years. But if you give it up, the racing industry knows that uh, the next person that come along might also give up. So it's very, very important to to build on your momentum and until you until you win.
0: Whilst it's commendable and logical to continue a campaign, come what may, <clears throat> to show how committed you are. Clearly, there must be have, must be a role for assessing whether or not what you're doing is worthwhile.
1: Well, yes, it, it is important to To reflect on what you have done and and what changes have taken place, uh, what kind of feedback you get from people, you do have to try to remove yourself and and see how effective you have been. It's pointless doing a campaign if you're having nil effect. Um, how do you judge that? I, I guess you, one way of judging it is, um, you know, do you get media? If you get media, I think you can almost be guaranteed that you you You've been successful you need to look at um community attitudes and um uh, certainly, from my experience with this campaign is that uh I've been told literally by dozens perhaps hundreds of of people that um they had no idea that this is what happens in horse racing. We have lots a lot of supporters now who used to own race horses that never questioned what happened to. Uh, a horse that they used to own, because they were told that this horse w- was was given to a a girl as a for as a as a weekend riding horse. Um, and then when they tried to follow up on where that horse was, there was no trace of the horse. Um, so I guess you, it is important that you uh, listen to what people have to say about your campaign, what kind of reactions you get to it. Uh, in this day with um, social media, it's it's not too hard to to find out what people's uh, opinions are on on, on how you're travelling with a particular campaign. One way of determining if you are successful is when um, when on social media people are so outraged, when your opponents are so outraged that they actually set up a, a Facebook page or Instagram page uh, trying to discredit you. And I think when, once your opposition feels the need to discredit you, then certainly that means you're having a positive effect. And we've certainly got a few hate pages and, uh, you know, we welcome their, their comments. They often visit our page and try and discredit our facts. And what it does do, it, it is engages ordinary people into the debate and they can make up their own mind. And we think that uh, when they hear both sides, certain people will certainly fall on, on the side of the racehorse, not on the side of the people who, who like horse racing.
0: You're listening to Freedom of Species Animal Activism on the Airwaves on 3CR 855 AM. This is an interview with Elio Salotto, Campaigns Director for the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses. We're coming up to what the racing industry calls its Spring Carnival. Can you describe to listeners around the world what that is?
1: Well, the Spring Carnival is the time of the year when the racing industry comes to life, so to speak. Uh, where over a period of five or six weeks, uh, the heavy focus is on horse racing, and it attracts many people that don't normally go to the races. And most of these people that attend will, will dress up to the nines um, and have plenty, to, probably too much, to drink. Um, and it has a very much a, a party type atmosphere. Uh,
0: and and when I came to Australia, I was horrified to find. To find- that in Victoria there's actually a public holiday to celebrate
1: this animal cruelty. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, I grew up with the Melbourne Cup and it suddenly dawned on me as I started doing my investigation into the racing industry that uh, fancy us having a, a public holiday for a horse race. It's, it, it's simply, in my opinion, absurd. And uh, it is something that is part of the... Um, you know the Australian way of life it 's not only celebrated here in, in Victoria but around Australia, and um, you know, now is the time for this campaign to really ignite and, and people should be told what the reality is behind the cruelty uh, or sorry what is behind the glamour of, of the racing industry and and right. that there is a, a lot of suffering that occurs and a lot of horses that are routinely killed uh, when they 're no longer profitable.
0: So this spring racing carnival, can you just cover what are the main events in that?
1: Well there's uh five I think major race days. There's uh there's the Caulfield Cup, there's the Cox Plate, there's Derby Day, there's the Melbourne Cup, and then after that it's it's Oaks Day. So Animal
0: Cruelty is so big in Melbourne, This actually goes on at multiple race courses in the city, yeah?
1: Well, that's right. And, and there's, there are other race days that build up to these races, and there are also race race days following the, the, the Melbourne Cup and Oaks Day. And it's just that time of the year where it becomes, um, it's just a tradition for, for Melbournians or Australians in general to get behind horse racing. So this is the, the time of the year where we use that opportunity to highlight uh, you know the not so glamorous side, so that ordinary people can make informed decisions about whether they want to support horse racing or not,
0: we're so behind it we want to push it out the window yes, it's not just races though there are there's a parade as well,
1: yeah yeah, there's also a a parade uh, a parade of champions, so to speak, and that is to you know I guess it's um the preamble to the to the Melbourne Cup, which occurs the day after.
0: So what, what which day is this, and where is the, this parade?
1: Uh, this parade is on Swanson Street, and it ends uh, near Fed Square, where we often congregate, and we'd urge all people, if you're free that day, to come down and support us. We're always there. So we use it uh, as an opportunity to, to highlight what uh, the racing industry doesn't want you to see, Um, It's often very difficult to get media on on this particular day. We we have actually tried several stunts and um, it seems to be the one day of the year where the the media doesn't like to um, report negatively about horse racing. So far. So far. Yeah. Uh, but as we have found uh, every year, we seem to be breaking new ground. And with the, the horse, the two horses that were killed in the Melbourne Cup last year, and, and the one horse the year before, there's certainly been a lot more attention uh, brought upon the race on, on horse racing. And um, uh, I guess we've uh, used it, uh, exploited that um, to, to get to as many people as we possibly can. And what we have seen. Um, with every year of the Melbourne Cup for the last seven or eight years, the people attending the Melbourne Cup carnival has has reduced in number uh, since, I think, 2008. And, and that is a, a positive sign for us that uh, people are deciding not to attend. And I think it's of a, a great concern for the racing industry.
0: Tell us about what you did last year, because you got some very um, good media coverage with some of the community education work that you did.
1: Uh, Yes, well last year during the Spring Carnival it it was almost a perfect storm of events uh, which started with the unveiling of our billboard uh, which was um, near the Balti Bridge which is on the way to um, the Flemington Racecourse where the Melbourne Cup is held. So we put up a, a 22 metre long billboard and it said, is the party worth it? Uh, with an image of a of a dead horse that was killed as a result of horse racing,
0: and the tagline of the website, which is
1: uh, horse racing dot com. So we erected this billboard, had it an, uh, for a considerable cost, um, and we thought uh, we need to do what the racing industry does, and as they use um, their resources to promote uh, their sport and their and their events, we were going to use the same medium to expose the racing industry for what it was. This billboard was only up for six days, but what it caused in the time that it was up, it created quite a lot of controversy. And in that period uh, of six days, we conducted, um, I think it was in the vicinity of 100 interviews, uh, from radio to TV to uh, print media. And as a result of all of that, the, the billboard appeared in the evening news. It appeared in newspapers, and so they, it's, even though they took the billboard down over six days, the, the media uh, storm that it created uh, made it very worthwhile.
0: Coverage internationally as well.
1: It was. It was covered um, all around the world, and it's it's also encouraged groups in America to do a, a similar um, a similar billboard over there. So not only has it helped our cause here in Australia, but it's created awareness internationally as well as um, inspire others to to uh, start similar campaigns in other countries.
0: Uh, for me, as I love to see and hear about the encouraging of, of animal activism around the world. That's great to know that other groups are carrying on the torch in other countries. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's certainly... It's uh, certainly good to see other groups. We, we, we're contacted by groups internationally uh, on, a, on a regular basis and individuals from other countries that have heard about our campaign. And, and so you should never under- underestimate the impact uh, that you have. You may not see it, but um, it may manifest itself years down the track. But never be uh, disappointed with anything that you do because doing something is better than doing nothing. So uh, I would just say to to, to all animal activists or uh, would-be animal activists to, uh, once you make a start on a campaign, just keep at it and you will get results.
0: That was last year. That was the billboard. Oh, and then presumably that framed the events of the Melbourne Cup Day, which well, unfortunately had bad news.
1: Well, that's right. So we put up a billboard saying, uh, is the party really worth it with an image of a dead horse? And then in the Melbourne Cup, we saw... Uh, two horses killed in the Melbourne Cup. One was caused by an accident after the race, uh, but the other one was caused by by a heart attack. Apparently, um, that was Admire Racti, and he he suffered uh, a heart attack shortly after the race concluded. Fortunately, we had a a one of our volunteers there and actually witnessed the horse being killed, and that was that appeared in the evening news. This particular horse won the Caulfield Cup two weeks earlier and was was belted, uh, I think, over 30 times. The jockey was fined thousands of dollars for excessive use of the whip. And this horse uh, suffered a heart attack. Um, We believe that the horse was not given sufficient time to recover from the previous race. And knowing how he was treated in the Caulfield Cup when he was well and truly belted, this horse overraced in the early stages... And you no, know it's, that it's, was the week before. Yes, that was two weeks before. Okay, and this, and uh, yeah, for, for these horses that are, are, are still juveniles at the age of five or six, um, haven't reached maturity, to suffer a heart attack, in the numbers that they do, is is a symptom of these horses being uh, overworked, uh, often as a result of being whipped, uh, where these horses are running out of fear. And and that is one of our campaigns to have the whip abolished. There is absolutely no need why for the whip to to, to be continued. It's been banned in Norway and looks like being banned in Sweden sometime in the near future. And you know what we think that you would see uh, though the races may be ran a little bit slower than what they currently are. Uh, we would see a lot more horses surviving a lot longer uh, with less injuries. And you know, it, it's just almost incomprehensible why. You know, whipping is allowed in the first place. But um, the racing industry is an institution that doesn't like change and it's only through continuous campaigning, being relentless with, uh, with, with with our demands and being in their face, getting media, will the racing industry respond. And we are seeing changes occurring. We talk to the racing industry. Uh, they're aware of our views and and they've said to us that Certainly uh, there is a lot of merit to what we're saying. They admit that um, change can only happen slowly and and we're in it for the long haul and we think we'll see this change taking place eventually.
0: What do you have planned for this year's Spring Racing Carnival?
1: We're working on a media campaign that I can't disclose too many details about and uh, that will be launched uh, just at the start of uh, the the, the main part of the Spring Carnival in in a few weeks' time. And we hope that it'll be bigger and better than last year's campaign and create just as much controversy. And hopefully we'll we'll manage to continue to turn people off horse racing until the racing industry looks at their, their practices, looks at the fact that there's no rehoming plan, that they whip these horses, that they starting them way too young at two years of age. And we'll, we'll come, come to their senses and realise that um, their sport needs to come into the 21st century when... Animal cruelty is no longer tolerated, especially not in entertainment.
0: I'd like you to talk about how you get supporters involved.
1: Uh, look through social media; it's a it's a great tool to uh, to get a message across to your supporters and and your opponents. Uh, so, w- with our website, with our Facebook page, um, and our regular newsletters, uh, we we manage to get our message across to you know many thousands of people. It's important to harness the energy of your volunteers and we encourage as many people as we possibly can to get involved, even if it's just attending a demonstration uh, or they want to become involved in, in some other aspect of, of the organisation. So how do you do this? Uh, we, we regularly um, put out calls for volunteers to get involved. We advertise our events uh, as often as we can to attract as many people as we possibly can. Uh, one thing that we that we don't overly concern ourselves with are the number of people that do attend. If is sometimes there's as few as ten or twelve of us, and sometimes there's uh, fifty or eighty or more. Uh, it's important that to, to let your opponents know that no matter how few or how many people you've got, you're in it for the long haul, and we just keep going. and And I think by doing that, you also attract more people to your cause by showing them that you're determined. And that you're not going to ever give up that uh we are all the horses have, and uh, we need as many people as involved as we possibly can, so people can join up uh and and uh on our on our website and offer to volunteer there's a uh, a take action tab where people can uh, send us an email and tell us how they'd like to be involved and of course all our events are posted on there, as they are on our Facebook page, which is the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses. Uh, without our volunteers, we we have nothing. And so we urge all uh, of our supporters and all animal um, activists or potential animal activists to get involved. If it's not our cause, get involved in a cause. Uh, there's many, many issues that are much more serious than horse racing, um, relatively speaking, the suffering in, in horse racing is is nothing compared to, say, the suffering in factory farming and in animal experimentation. Get involved in something and um, make useful time. Uh, make use of, of, of the time you have we have on this planet. Because if we don't bring about the change, then you know you can't rely on other people to do it. We all have to play our role.
0: So, how can people get involved this year?
1: Well, this year we've got a few initiatives that we'll be launching on our website uh, in the next 10 days or so. Well, of course, we want people to attend our demonstrations, of, of which there are a five in total, and details are on our website. Another way where people can get, get involved is we're asking people to have their cars stenciled. And, and basically, that involves meeting with one of our volunteers who will stencil the back of their car uh, with the slogan, Is the party really worth it? horseracingkills.com
0: Windows of the
1: car, Yes. Yes, so we can do car doors. We can do your whole car if you want. It's done with a a, a plastic-type paint that can easily be removed. And so I guess our focus will be, well, the, the main area we want to target is, is the back of the, of, of the car, the back window. But we, ha- we happily do all sides of your car if that's what you want. And uh, this is done at no cost. Uh, we just need to make a time and a place to meet, which could be your place or your work. Um, you can just tell us what your rego plate is and where your car is, and we'll happily do it. Uh, we Probably
0: we want your volunteers will want to meet the car owner rather than people just calling in with a car rego <laughs> and a location.
1: Well, we will need to verify the owner, who the owner of the car is. <clears throat> so what's this stencil going to say? The stencil will say, is the party really worth it? Which is the tagline from last year's billboard. Exactly, uh, followed by horseracingkills.com, and we will put that stencil on, on the back window of your car but we can do your car doors if you so wish um, and we'll do this at a time and place it's convenient to you uh, we just ask that you send us an email to inquiries at horseracingkills.com and and this stencil will stay on for as long as you want it or it can be peeled off quite easily as well if there are people out there that would like to get involved that's a, it's a great way of of showing your opposition to the spring carnival uh, this year and there'll be more details about Uh, some other initiatives that we've got in the next week or so. Uh, And also join up our Facebook page, uh, which is the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses. The more people involved, the the stronger our message.
0: And on the public holiday day of the Melbourne Cup, there'll be a picnic and
1: protest. That's correct. So just up the road from the main gates of the Flemington Racecourse where the Melbourne Cup is held, in a small park uh, known as Dock Route Reserve, um, it's literally only a few hundred metres from the main entrance. Uh, we'll be setting up there our our picnic um, and protest where we will have all our banners, placards and flags strategically positioned so that people walking past and driving past will see them. And we'll be having a, a cruelty-free barbecue. And we urge as many people who want to come along to, to join us and be a voice for the horses uh, last year we got, I think there was about 150 people who attended. We want as many people there to to show the general public that you don't have to go to the races to have a good time, that you can actually have a good time and show your opposition to uh, the cruelty in the racing industry and uh, we, we hope to see you there.
0: And what is the website uh, if people want to learn more?
1: Uh, our website is horseracingkills.com. Uh, our if you want to send us an email, it's inquiries at horseracingkills.com and you can get there from our website. Uh, yeah, so we'd urge people to contact us and, and find out about our events, um, all our events where we, we take a very professional attitude towards conducting our demonstrations. Um, we ask people to, who do attend to be very respectful of of people attending the races uh, to be mindful that it is our aim to change the views of the people going to the races and it's important that, that we lead um, by example and uh, we're totally non-violent um, and we're totally inclusive of, of anyone who wants to be involved from from young children to elderly people. Uh, one of our most ardent supporters is um, nearly 90 years of age and um, she's played a great role in many of our demonstrations. And so, yeah, we, we encourage people to get involved and make a difference.
0: Thank you very much, Elio. Cheers. You're listening to Freedom of Species, Animal Activism on the Airwaves, and that was an interview with Elio Saleta, Campaigns Director for the Coalition for the Protection of Race Sources. And with the Spring Racing Carnival coming up, please go to horseracingkills.com, uh, sign up there, And see how you can volunteer and support the campaign against horse racing industry. We've got two community announcements. Uh, The first one is from... This is from the RSPCA Victoria website, rspcavic.org. It's some news, actually. Puppy factory shut down. Uh, A major puppy factory operator shut down and was sentenced to a maximum banning order and large fines. This was dated the 24th of September, so the operators, uh, John Peace and Phyllis Peace and their son Dean Peace and their company, JB and PW Peace, PTY Limited, were handed the below sentences today at Bendigo Magistrates Court after pleading guilty to 240 animal cruelty charges in May this year. The company and each operator received the maximum 10-year banning order, disqualifying them from being in charge of a dog, including breeding, sale or purchase, with the exception of Dean Peace being allowed to keep two dogs on the agreement that each are desexed, and that they be kept as working dogs or pets only. Uh, the fines were $60,000, $60,000, $25,000, and for the company $45,000. And the RSPCA Inspectorate Manager, Ali Jalbert, is quoted... We do think that the fines of $185,000 handed down to the Peace family today gives a strong message to the community, and whilst we're disappointed to see that they're able to keep two working dogs, we have to respect the magistrate's decision. Uh, well, I, from freedom of species point of view, I think we are totally against any breeding of animals. In fact, the ownership of animals, I think, is uh, what needs to go. Uh, essentially, the animals in society are slaves, Um Uh, pets are effectively affection slaves um, whose lives are totally in the control of their owners and um, a just society would see the outlawing of animal ownership seems the logical thing to do to get rid of the livestock industry uh, the puppy farming industry and the racehorse industry is just to get rid of them entirely and not regulate them, just ban them outright But that might not be going to happen in the next year or so, but it's something that we can work towards. To meet other people that are involved in animal rights activism, you probably want to go to the Activist Forum, which is coming up on the second weekend of October. Uh, Tickets are going to be on sale for another, I think, 10 days. So that's at Melbourne Town Hall, second weekend of October, uh, to have about 40 workshops and networking events with all the animal activists that's the place to go if you want to increase your knowledge and skills of animal rights campaigning, so you can help make the world a better place for non-humans. I'm going to wrap the show up now. Uh, next is psychedelia and we're going to go out with I'll oh, we'll go out with some psytrance. I think this is System Seven um, with the track Chick Psychedelic.